Welcome to the Big Break Cycling Podcast. Uh, as usual, my name is Ang, and I have my co-host Nathan Ong. And today we're just going to talk about the Tour de France. Really, it is the first rest day into the Tour, and it has been about it's been about eight stages already. A lot has happened, and I think uh, for the listeners, it's been a request of just uh, doing some breakdowns and some updates at the tour while you know most some guys can't watch it all all day and or just have to catch like the highlights but um i think we'll just give our analysis of what's been going on so far in each stage and i guess the the state of the gc guys um uh, so yeah uh nathan so you want to talk about what's been going on lately yeah sure um for those that might follow uh, my Strava and also Ang Strava, we were recently in Richmond, Virginia, kind of uh, hanging out for the day, uh, well, the weekend actually, and um, vi- revisiting some familiar roads, which we uh, both said uh, last time we were in Richmond could have, uh, well, together was in uh, 2015 uh, World Championships. So it was really cool to kind of see the area again. Um, especially without uh, the barricades and, and the, the crowds of the world championship. Uh, we were able to um, ride uh, Libby Hill as well as 23rd Street, um, as well as some of the uh, local roads around our hotel. Uh, hotel. So, yeah, it was really cool. Um, that's where we were this past weekend. Um, was able to get some you know, valuable R&R um, with family, and, and we brought our dog too. So... Aang was uh, was an adopted member of our family for this trip, and we had a we had a good time. So yeah, it was um, it was good. I personally have just finished uh, a training training block um, of five weeks. Been pretty pretty brutal actually. Um, you know, for those who either train or or you know do other sports, uh, you know, you can kind of get uh, a little bit physically um, tired and and mentally tired at the end of. Um, uh, I guess what is called like a, a block of, of training. So, uh, yeah, I definitely was feeling it this past week. Um, not to mention the, the, the heat and humidity that we have in Maryland. It's, uh, really tough to, to really put out, um, you know, a hard session when you're, you're sweating just like nonstop. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Richmond was pretty fun. Uh, doing the world course was pretty awesome. Uh, we did it in honor of Sagan who got, kicked out of the tour huh. uh not really but we just wrote it i mean if you guys didn't know Sagan's out of the tour but uh you're living under a rock then um yeah it was fun and for me uh i am just starting up kind of training again i took a kind of a three week three week breakish when i went to colorado um decided that just uh, just ride and not worry about training Especially after doing a tour to Washington County. So, yeah, just trying to get back in the swing of things. First week is always tough back, you know. Yeah, so the tour, I think in one word of the tour so far, I could describe it as crashes. <laughs> like, that's uh, the memorable, memorable thing so far of this tour. Uh, I think you can agree. I mean, just guys crashing left and right, um, starting from stage one. Yeah, um... Let's see. One word to describe the tour so far. Uh, we're on our first rest day right now. Um, 
I'd probably say crashes. Yeah, that's probably a good good word. Um, yeah, I know. We can st- we can start um, with uh, stage one um, in yeah. Dusseldorf. I guess it was the first time that um, they've been back to to Germany in a while. Um, but yeah, ever since uh, Jan Ulrich, uh, infamous doping scandal and all that. Yeah. Um, I think going into the tour, uh, this was a, a very hyped up stage, especially for uh, Tony Martin, who, you know, he's uh, German, as you can, as you can <laughs> yeah. see, and 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 most of our listeners know. But uh, you know, starting a a huge uh, world renowned race in in your country is is a big you know thing, and and obviously uh, potentially pulling on the the yellow jersey is is a huge thing too. So time trialing is his thing. Um, you know, I would say that he went in probably as the, the heavily favored rider, but um, we saw that conditions played a, a really big role in, in the outcome. Uh, well, maybe not as big of a role. I mean, we still had uh, a lot of the the big um, uh, favorites, in my opinion, you know, finish to the top, uh, top of the leaderboards. But it wasn't an expected uh, leader of the stage race, was it? Uh, in terms of who won that yeah, day? Yeah, who or... won that day? Well, I don't know. I mean, Durant ended up taking the win. Um, I was surprised, but also not surprised, because he did well in the Giro TT, right? He got second to DeMullen. So he was definitely on form, um, and he's. Uh, I think he was pretty fresh, too, coming from his crashing out of Giro. But um, I think... Also, to mention that I guess it was crazy that uh, the top tens, four of them were Team Sky. Uh, was it Kiryanka, Kiyokoski, Durant, and Vroom? So um, definitely showing showing their presence and I think I guess you know kind of vibrato to uh, the other teams. Yeah. And then I think a disappointment was for Richie Port, who did pretty poorly in the TT. Um, after beating everyone in the Dolphinet. So, yeah, it was a very interesting TT. Conditions definitely play a mental factor, I think, with some of the guys, because we saw some pretty bad crashes. Um, two notably, Valverde and Ian Izaguri, who Valverde fractured his kneecap, and then Izaguri, I think, fractured his um, vertebrae. Yeah. And then a notable TT guy was Luke Durbridge, who he crashed but finished, but then he ended up not starting the next day. I think he tore some some ligaments in his ankle or something. Yeah, yeah. Most of the um, GC guys they finished about thirty seconds off of Chris Froome's pace, and um, I mean Chris Froome was the last one to start uh, on the day, and the conditions were just as bad for him as as they were for anyone else. So um, whether he was taking more risks or uh, they, you know, just got their their bit of kit together with. Um, you know the the setup that he was on uh whatever it was you know it was worth about 30 seconds over a very short tt so um with not that many time trials in this year's tour de france um he definitely you know laid out the foundation pretty um pretty well even on the first day they're definitely taking all he can making the most of that short tt yep and then we move on to stage two uh, it was a sprint stage, nothing notable. I think it was pretty quiet in terms of no crashes this time. Uh, Cattell, I think, was head and shoulders above everyone. And then I think a big 
a big deal was that Finney got uh, into the break and took the KOM jersey. And this was kind of his debut into the tour. So I think pretty good like morale boost for Cannondale and for Americans, I think. Yeah, social media was definitely um, <laughs> eating it up. And <laughs> I think uh, Taylor Finney, you know, for him to go out and... And first of all, I mean, he finished the top uh, 11th in, in the opening prologue. So it seemed like he had, you know, some good legs at least going into into the tour. And, um, you know, I was certainly, you know, uh, ho- hoping that he could pull off some incredible victory as I was watching uh, his breakaway, uh, you know, which was caught um, at the very last uh, last kilometers with Johan Alfredo. Yeah. But, um yeah, it, it was a, it's cool um, to to see Finney up there and and certainly coming back to a top level. Uh, some people don't like him, you know. Some people like him. Um, I would I would recommend watching some of his interviews for um, this uh, this past Tour de France and, and some of the opening stages. He actually has some quite comical uh, interviews just because of his <laughs> yeah. uh, his mannerisms a little bit, but then also just some of the stories that he tells are, are pretty good. So uh, definitely check those out. Yeah, Finney definitely a love or hate guy. Um, our friend Esteban is on the other side. Uh, stage three uh, was pretty exciting. I think it was a very classic stage race or stage uh, into Long Wee, I think how you say it. But pretty much it was an uphill finish. Um, and then it, Sagan ended up taking it uh, convincingly, I would say. Um, he, I think he unclip in the, on the stage and then kind of held, held composure and then um stayed calm and then held his sprint uh, and then another big uh notable american nathan brown uh then he was in the break all day and also ended up taking the klm jersey from finney so it stayed in candale again i think it held help uh boost the morale of candale yeah so then going to stage Four. Um, this was kind of like the big, infamous stage of the first like rest period, with Elbowgate or Free Sagan or whatever hashtag that was out that day. But I don't know. I mean, it was definitely um, definitely split up like the cycling social media community. Either you're like for Sagan or for for um, Cavendish. Um, but basically for the the people who haven't watched it or just need a refresh, it was pretty much going into the final 300k. Um, from what I, this is my perspective, and Nathan, if you want to tell your side of it, um, I saw Damar um, started going for the sprint. Cab was on his wheel, and then Sagan saw Damar go, and he wanted his wheel. Probably didn't see Cav. I mean, they're going so fast, and I think Cav left maybe like a half a wheel gap and then move into Cavs line and then crashed him out um the elbow was like i think you told me and i agree with you that the elbow was there after the crash just to help him balance himself um but yeah ultimately sagan got kicked out damar did a crazy cut across and won the stage i think that you summed it up pretty well um and i share you know many of your your sentiments for for both Cavendish and, and Sagan I think like for for most of us as we watch Peter Sagan race um, he's undoubtedly one of the uh, personalities in the pro peloton and I thought it was you know what 
Cavendish and maybe potentially some of his director sportifs were saying was, I mean, that would have been pretty out of character for Peter Sagan to intentionally elbow Cavendish, which I, I had kind of gone into the, the story even with some back knowledge that I'm pretty sure that they were, they were pretty good friends, you know, off the bike. Um, so, I mean, Sagan doesn't come off as a, as a malicious type of rider. I, I would say that from a, a sprinter standpoint, um, you know, you have like Buhani and, and some of the other guys who, who like to, yeah. to really chop up like other guys. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I personally thought it was a racing incident. Um, Sagan was certainly, uh, you know, there and thereabouts. I, I don't think that he intentionally brought down Cavendish, uh, and Cavendish was unfortunately the wrong side of a bigger rider and also, uh, the barricades, yeah. which, uh, was really unfortunate because, uh, from this incident, I think the race lost two, you know, good, great riders. Um, you know, one who is really exciting in Peter Sagan and, and the other one, Cavendish, who certainly is, is a top tier sprinter, which he's shooting for, uh, the tour, you know, stage record. So it was definitely, um, a, a very controversial moment. Um, you know, I think there are some pretty, kind of comical things to kind of come out of it you know people <laughs> signing petitions and and the idea of of Sagan coming back two stages later which was like uh like how is that, yeah <laughs> how are they gonna let him back in uh but yeah I mean it, first French victory you know f- since like 2006 uh sprint victory excuse me a sprinter's victory yes. so I mean that was big for Demar. I, I I actually like Demar. um he's a, a pretty good rider and um you know Definitely has some big wins. Definitely a force to be reckoned with on some of the punchier, punchier sprints. But yeah, um, I guess that that was that's that. You know, uh, Sagan got kicked out, and unfortunately, we won't have him anymore in this tour. And I think for me, I think the confusing or what I don't understand is why everyone is saying or blaming Cav or having like such malicious feeling for Cavs, even though I don't think he did anything wrong. I mean, he he wasn't like trying to get into a gap he was just there at the wrong time like you said against a bigger body so yeah i mean that's that you know as it as the internet is people will forget it and move on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so so yeah and moving on to stage five the first mountain stage uh it was just pretty much a run up into the final climb i forgot what climb it was la called. planche de belfi yeah, Nathan knows all the French since he's been there once. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's all I need for him to be good... an expert, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's basically a local. But, um, yeah, it was the first mountain stage kind of testing the legs of the GC guys. Um, I think most of the guys stayed together until, like, the final couple Ks where Aru kind of took off. And then no one, everyone kind of looked around and uh, didn't chase him until Dan Martin actually kind of initiated it. But I think um, for Froome and Sky, they weren't too worried about it. And Aru took the win for the stage. Um, Durant uh, faded, and then Chris Froome rode into yellow. Yeah. Uh, kind of notably, Quintana, Condor, and um, Jacob Fulsang kind of had a bad day and kind of lost, I think, about a minute, a minute and a half. Well, Quintana and Condor lost like 30 seconds, but Fulsang lost like a minute and a half that day. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice to see um, a kind of change of pace after all that controversy of sprints and stuff. 
Yeah, was um, very was very impressive by uh, Fabio Aru. Um, I mean, he that's the type of riding that most people want to see against uh, the Team Sky, you know, lead out train, and he attacked with three Ks ago and did a, a race winning interval that you know was just. <laughs> I mean, he pulls some of the probably worst race faces like in the pro peloton like he's just all over you know tongue is out and mouth agape and everything like that but um yeah it's he, what a, what an effort it, it, it looked awesome in the you know the italian trickler and um you know for him <laughs> to win and, and nibbly to win a few years back uh yeah it was it was awesome it was a, it was a good display of, of power on his part this is the same stage that Nibley won? Too? Yeah, back in um, 2014, oh. and Chris Froome won back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think a notable thing that we we both saw was how kind of BMC kind of took the front kind of early and kind of like unnecessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were like lined up, I think, five, six deep, just pulling really early in the stage. So, But like you said, I think you, they got kind of suckered into it. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows um maybe they want to be there um, yeah i guess so uh stage six Cattell, you know showing that his dominance it nothing really happened just Cattell won um head to head against amar yeah and then stage seven was a super crazy run in to finish super awesome lead out by dimension data for uh bossa hagen into like probably the most the closest finish in tour history. Yeah, I I mean, the the stage before that in stage six, I had made like a comment on um, the form like weight weenies, and I was like, man, Dimension Data, I really don't know what they're doing with their lead out because uh, basically like Renshaw, I think he was like there from like a K to go, then he pulled off, and I think Ed, Edvald Boysenhagen he started to you know do this a seated sprint at like a thousand meters. And I'm like, oh, oh this guy's like not gonna hold on. Like, what is he doing? You know, he he's definitely lost some of that that top end since his Team Sky days. So it, it just looked like you know they were missing Cav. And you know, going into stage seven, I was like, well, this is probably gonna be the same story. But as I was watching it and as it was unfolding, the commentators were also you know saying on on TV that you know Dimension Data was was really, you know, now in it to win it. And they had, like, you know, four or five guys leading into, like, the last one and a half K. And with the the twisty turns of uh, Stage 7, I saw, like, you know, Eddie Boss, like, come off the front with, like, 250 to go. And I'm like, yo, he's about to beat, he's about (laughs) to beat, like, all these guys. Um, And, yeah, like you said, uh, it came down to a photo and um, the commissaires, they deemed it to be six millimeters of, you know, of winning margin by Kittle, which just six millimeters is crazy. I mean, that's just technology right there. But I cannot. Yeah, that's like probably a quarter of a tire's dime, you know, depth. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. That's really crazy. It is. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, I guess on the topic of tell. Yeah, I mean, he's been sprinting super well, even, like, there's a couple stages where his lead-out train kind of fell apart early, and he kind of had to come, like, maybe five or six back, or even ten yeah. back, and, yeah, close the gap, and then sprint to the win, so he's, you know, he's, like, proving his he doesn't need a lead-out train to win, though, um, 
I think his only weakness is sometimes when things get pretty hairy, he kind of loses his uh, position. But no, I mean, all credits to Cattell. Yeah. And I think he's... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, Kittle was... was uh, has, in my mind, always been a sprinter, like, in a straight line. Um, like, basically, if you give yeah. him... If you give him a straight road <laughs> and uh, a good lead out or free air, like, in front of him, there's, like... I mean, even Cav, like, I'll say it all day. I mean, in a, in a pure on, like, full frontal, just straight line, there's not many that can beat Kittle in that, that way. He's just so powerful, for sure. Um, but with mm-hmm. the twisty turns and, and things like that, I, I think that other other sprinters who potentially had come from the track and or, um, you know, even have the more experience, I, I think, um, have proven that they can beat Kittle with some tactics and um, some racing, like, you know, prowess, I think. Yeah, and I think, yeah, Cadell's kind of showing that he's beginning to um, take more risk, maybe, or yeah, just getting used to those turns. Yeah. So the next two stages, we head into the mountain pass of, I don't know, Nathan, do you know what it's called again? <laughs> uh, it is called da, 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 Station Le Roux. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's from Dole to Station Le Roux. And then there was... Um, it was the first like multi mountain pass stage, um, and then this like unknown French guy from Direct Energies took the stage win, um, Lillian Clamagene. Yeah, I think um, Clamagene <laughs> or something. Um, yeah, uh, his even though like no one knew who he was, uh, the way he rode was just ridiculous, cramping up, and then people were like kind of getting worried about if he was gonna make it or not, but he did. Um, he definitely pulled some Thomas Wokler faces as well. Um, so it's funny people calling maybe the thanks to Thomas Wokler. I don't know. And of course, you know, the French are very, um, hyping him up to be like either a one day Hilly racer or maybe even GC. I mean, he's, he's one of wealth stage in the past. Um, last year, oh, did he? last okay. year he won of wealth stage for direct energy. Um, I don't know much about him. We, kudos to him i mean he looked really strong i think robert hessink was trying to chase him down and and he wasn't you know pulling into his lead at all but yeah good mm-hmm. on him uh the french love a, a breakaway for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um and then durant in this stage he crashed but got back up nothing happened um yeah nothing notable with the gc guys i think they all kind of finished together for the most part um, it was more about the breakaway today, it seems like. And then uh, then we finally we get to stage 8, which was uh, yesterday's, um, t- with today being a rest stage. Quite a dramatic stage, for sure. It was just definitely a big shakeup in terms of um, with the GC riders. And also, I think, uh, with uh, the sprinters, too. Some, some crazy things. But uh, to sum up the stage uh, for the sprinters... Damar, uh, Renshaw, uh, Matteo Trenton, they all didn't finish within the time cut. Um, I think a lot of the guys were hurting from the day before. I know Matteo Trenton crashed and couldn't hang on. And then um, Damar, I think supposedly he got ill yesterday, uh, the, the stage before, um, barely hang on to that stage and then had to call it quits. Um, and then in, in terms of GC, that that uh, horrible crash by Richie Port with 25k to go. Once they uh, summit the final climb, 
that was quite a a hairy uh, descent, and then it just seems like Port just took a bad line, or I mean I don't know maybe he didn't see the the road in front of him whoever he was following, and then basically he went into the dirt, skidded back onto the road, and slammed right into uh, Dan Martin unfortunately, and then um, yeah couldn't I think he ended up with a broken pelvis and and um, collarbone. After that incident, um, it was, I mean, there was even more drama because if you look at the footage, Port kind of scraped uh, Rigoberto Urin, uh rear wheel, and he looked fine, but then I guess like 10K to go, his rear derailleur wasn't working. If you watched the, the race, you saw him pull back to uh, the Mavic neutral support mechanic. And the, the mechanic re- literally reached out of the car and, like, bent his rear derailleur to get it, I think, into the 11 at least. And that's, like, well, he told him, like, either you can have it at the highest or lowest, and he said, just put it in the 11. <laughs> so he had uh, his front ring and then his 11-speed cog. Uh, and then, it, I guess, uh, just to say at the end, Vigoberto Iran took it with his 53-11 sprinting out, again, a super close finish against uh, Barguil. Yeah. So, super crazy. I mean, we were watching it, and then we saw Braguil cry, thinking he won. <laughs> of course, so so gutted, though, you yeah. know. Um, he, he found out he lost. <laughs> so, in so, note to all those young <laughs> listeners, if you want to win a stage, put it in the 5311 first. And then secondly, don't celebrate early, because you never know <laughs> yeah. if you'll win a stage. Um, and be on and TV. And be on TV, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a, a very cruel cruel stage for for some of the GC contenders. Um, yeah, very 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 sad. Yeah, um, just funny when we were watching it, Aram just maybe doing forty RPM on the hills, trying to stay with the the group. That was and funny. the commentator goes, "It looks like he's wrestling a gym bike." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Literally. <laughs> um, and I feel pretty bad for um, Dan Martin, who he got back up, and then I mean he stuck it out and only lost limit his losses to a minute. He's still top ten GC, and I only say this because he's on my GC uh, uh, fantasy squad, so I don't want him to lose. I already lost one guy, so can't afford to lose hmm. more. Um, that kind of sums up uh, the first eight stages of the tour. So, what do you think? Uh, where the GC guys are at and how things are looking for the next uh, 13 stages. It's looking like uh, another Team Sky Froome victory, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, especially the way that he's climbing the ga- the uh, advantage that he took even in the first prologue. And his competitors aren't looking that strong. Um, I think Quintana had... Well, probably Aru, maybe, you know. Yeah, I don't think that we were talking about Aru, though, going into the tour very much. Um, no, because I he's, had, un- he's no... not proven, in my opinion. Uh, he won the Vuelta, don't get me wrong, but the Vuelta is definitely different than the tour as far as competition and also mm-hmm. uh, just the type of, I think, skill set that you need to win it all. And also Aru's team, I'm not sure... Uh, uh, right now and even leading up to the race uh is as strong as team i don't think that there's really any other team in the pro peloton 
that's as strong as them. Um, Movistar came close, I think. Their Giro team was very strong. But without Valverde, uh, especially due to the crash, and potentially with, you know, Quintana's fatigue, it, it just, yeah, uh, it look it looks like an inevitability at this point. But uh, it kind of goes along the same lines as what we talked about uh, an episode back about Richie Port. Um, I picked Richie Port as my pick in, you know, our fantasy choice and also in my Velo Games team. Uh, but I did, you know, pretty vocally say that uh, Richie Port, even on the the uh, platform of the Tour de France, is is kind of unproven as well. He hasn't proven himself in a long Grand Tour uh, to last, uh, not only, you know, physically, but then with the luck of not crashing. And, uh, yeah, say, say what you will, um, you know, Froome, he has crashed out of uh, a Tour de France before, but uh, with the victories that he's had, you know, he's kind of been able to rise above, you know, those uh, type of uh, uh, unfortunate, you know, mishaps and things like that. Um, I would say that Richie Port, in my mind right now, is is a similar situation like Garen Thomas. Uh, there's something that is causing them to go down, and I don't think that it's bad luck. I, you know, there's a saying that you know I personally, you know, believe in that if you crash a lot, you know, it might not be, you know, the the luck around you, but it might be the rider itself. Now, I'm not sure if they're, you know, poorly placed. I'm not sure if there's a skill set that they need to work on, you know, whether it's like descending or, or you know, confidence or, or pressure. I, I don't know. But uh, for whatever it's worth, um, yeah, we won't be able to see Richie Port, you know, finish, obviously, and, and find out how good he was because in the Dauphiné, he was uh, really flying. Yeah. I think even maybe a factor that maybe they, they're not good at, like, paying attention, I think. Yeah, you lose focus for a split second, that could cause a crash. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then I forgot to mention that even from that from stage nine, not only did Richie Poor crash out, but Robert Yesink, um Durant Thomas, uh Rifle Micah, he finished stage but he ended up pulling out during the rest day. Sustaining pretty bad injuries. I think actually it was Rifle Micah who who crashed into Durant. Or the other way around, <clears throat> they were together when they crash. So, yeah, you're right. I th- I think um I guess there's no like hard science on what you say, but there's some truth to it. And you know to say like yeah, I think ninety ninety nine percent sure Sky kind of has it in the bag or has control of the race definitely unless something you know terrible happens to Froome. But um you know Astana with um. Fabio Rue at second GC, and then Jacob Fulsang at fifth. It could play through the favor in terms of um, two cards, you know, but we'll have to see. Um, and I think the tour has already proven that Condor is definitely, his age is showing for sure. He faded and lost four minutes on yesterday's stage, or stage eight. And with the other guys, Bardet, uh, they're just kind of sitting back and watching, seeing what Froome's going to do. So it'll be interesting to see the next 13 days of what, uh, who's going to be proactive and try to see what's going to go on. It's going to be an exciting rest of the tour, I think. There's gonna, still going to be a lot of climbing. Um, 
you know, I have some picks uh, for stage uh, stage winners. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, Greg Van Avermaet, he's going to be licking his chops because Sagan's not in the picture. Um, he's due for one. I think Mikhail Kwiatkowski, I think, is eventually going to get uh, let off the leash. So uh, maybe he'll go for a long one, um, potentially against Greg Van Avermaet um, because they're similar riders. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And it's going to, you know, hopefully – Hopefully, you know, not be that boring for the rest of uh, rest of the the three weeks. Well, I mean, Fabio Rude does have eighteen seconds, so it's not a huge time gap. So, yeah, but he can't. It's a pretty but close, he can't time trial. Yeah. I mean, he no. It's yeah. it's the same. It's the same situation in the Giro with Quintana, in my opinion. Where these guys, I mean, they can climb with Froome all day, but they need like time on him in the 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 time trial. Because in his own right, I mean, Chris Froome can win a time trial, which is incredible. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down, you know, similar to to the uh, Dumoulin, um, uh, to, to Quintana, you know, deficit. That unless unless guys have like, like 40 seconds to a minute on him, I don't know. And will Froome lose a minute in the high mountains? I don't think so. Only if he's caught napping, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, so to close off uh, this episode, we'll talk about the Veil Games, and I I want to thank everyone who joined our Big Break uh, Fantasy League. And if you missed out, that's too bad. Uh, hopefully next time you can do it. Maybe the Volta. But uh, so far, I am crushing it, for sure. <laughs> uh, I have... <laughs> not to brag, but... um. I have 2,400 points in first place. And in second place, we have a person by the name of Dr. Fuentes. Uh, he has 1,800. And in third place, we have Nicholas McGill at 1,400. And then for you, Nathan, you are in fourth place. At Nathan, Dr. Ferrari Young. Yay. At uh, 13, <laughs> 1,390. So you're pretty close into breaking the podium. Um. But our dear friend Esteban <laughs> only has 800 points. He had a pretty rough team. I think two of his guys were out already. So, and now three guys actually. So, not looking good at all. Um, and that kind of wraps up the the first rest day break. Hopefully, we can get uh, an episode next out by the second rest day, and kind of give you an update on that. All right. So again, this is Ang, um, and this is Nathan. It's, the Big Break Cycling Podcast. Thank you for listening, for joining in. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and on Google Play. Uh, I'll have a link out, and you'll see all of our info on social media. So thanks again for listening, and this is us signing out. Take care, everyone. Peace. <laughs>